This is Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 158. Thomas Miller here. We're going to go straight into a topic that has become probably the biggest focus of everything that I'm spending my time thinking about these days. And it really started after I narrated the audiobook Lives of the Soul, which talks about life in between the lives. So what happens in between our incarnations? And if this whole thing of reincarnation, you know, it was buggy for me coming out of my fundamentalist background. If it's something that you've not explored, I would really encourage you just to at least be in an open space that this is not our only rodeo. Because if we think about this from a soul perspective, we are growing. And what you're going to hear on these two audio clips so illustrates everything that Lives of the Soul talks about. And when you grasp this and start to meditate on it and then think of your life in context of how all of this works, it completely shifts your whole paradigm. It helps you understand your life in a different context. It helps you understand why certain things keep coming up all the time. It helps you get just a lot more comfortable with things. And you're going to hear that as a common theme this is from the Megan Kelly show. I don't watch it, but I saw these clips online and couldn't wait to download them and share them with you because this is it puts it in such a beautiful context. So I'm going to play you the clips from the show. They pretty well explain everything. The first one is a lady who nearly died from a heart attack, and she talks about what happened when she was in that space in between. The news of Aretha Franklin's passing, we had planned this show on what happens after we die. And as we mourn the Queen of Soul, it seems a particularly good time to ask, is there something more? Something on the other side? Today's show tries to answer those questions. My first guest, Sherry Ame, was rushed to the hospital after weeks of feeling short of breath. Just 10 minutes after she arrived, she flatlined in her husband's arms. Sherry was dead for 90 minutes, but miraculously came back to life and now has a profound near-death experience to share. Watch. In early 2008, Sherry Ame was living life to the fullest. I really was living a really wonderful life in my 20s, making good money, experiencing freedom and really feeling on top of the world. <laughs> Sherry's good life came to a halt later that year when she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. He waited till the door was closed. We both sat down and I knew like something was up. And that's when he looked at me and he said, you have cancer. She immediately underwent four intensive rounds of chemotherapy, crippling her body. And there's no words to describe what that chemotherapy treatment was like. It was so extreme. I would not wish those side effects on anybody. After battling the disease for three months, her cancer went into remission and she was declared cancer free. It's an incredible feeling to go in for those tests and realize they're saying it's shrinking. But in April of 2010, Sherry suffered another setback, cardiac arrest. The doctors were rushed in uh, they immediately performed CPR. Within the first five, 10 minutes, they were unsuccessful and were ready to call my time of death. One doctor ordered CPR to continue. He just turned into a drill sergeant 
and he told everybody what to do. They did chest compressions for over 90 minutes, still without success. She was put on life support, then rushed to New York Presbyterian Columbia Hospital and underwent open heart surgery. I knew I was somewhere else. I knew I had died. I would say instantaneously, when I flatlined, I immediately crossed over into this other realm. And I remember my body just floating in like this white space. And I felt as light as a feather. I felt free. Sherry joins us now. Sherry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So can we... Let's go to that moment in the hospital um, where you were flatlining. And they, you know, they say that that's the moment you're, you are dead if your heart is not working, if your, your heart is not pumping. Um, is it true that they, they wanted to stop CPR? And, they, and there was the one doctor who said, mm-mm. Yeah, they were ready to call my time of death. Everybody in that staff, in that room, in the emergency room, they were ready to call my time of death. One man in that entire room said, no, we're not losing her, and ordered everybody like a drill sergeant, according to my father, um, to continue with CPR. Um, and what they had to do was continue it long enough for him to actually install temporary life support. What is the first memory you have of you know, your otherworldly experience? Yeah, it was pretty instantaneous for me. I remember one minute being in in this world and the next minute being like I died I knew immediately um, I was in this white space where I felt like uh, I was formless and I felt light as a feather I felt free um, and I remember feeling really free of the burdens of everyday life there was there a feeling of panic at all you know like I've, I've died oh my god I've died it was more, um, wow, this is so beautiful. Really? Yeah. You remember that? Absolutely. And were, like, was it one of those things where you were above the room? Like, where were you seeing? Um, it, it wasn't a, like an out-of-body experience. I literally was in a whole other realm. So I wasn't, I was no longer in the physical hospital room. I was completely in mm -hmm. another realm. I actually felt connected to my family on the other side, and I felt connected to um, the heavens. So there was no distinction of, um, okay, I'm, I'm dead and I'm in this other world. It was more, I just gracefully walked through this door mm -hmm. and made this beautiful transition into another realm. So... There's much more to her experience and what happened in those moments, including an illumination on the life she had lived thus far. Um, we're going to pick it up there uh, when we come back. I'm back now with Sherry Ame, who says she had a life-changing near-death experience during cardiac arrest when she was dead for 90 minutes. So, Sherry, I, I, I know you said that in the moment it felt like you did a life review. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, it, it's, it's funny because it actually wasn't just a life review of my current life. It was actually a life review of any experience my soul had ever undergone, So, which is so crazy. It was so crazy to me. 
Did you believe um, in past lives prior to that moment? I really, I didn't think anything, I really didn't even know what a near-death experience was until I got back. <laughs> so uh, this was all very foreign to me. Mm -hmm. um, I had heard maybe of people that had had an out-of-body experience. I did not know what this meant. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was, this was definitely very, very foreign for me. And do, do you feel like you got a window into prior lives? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing that I really learned was I learned, you know, sometimes we all have like this, this common reoccurring theme that's happening in our lives, whether it's, you know, poor finances or relationship trouble. I got to learn during my lifetime reviews what that common theme was and actually how to clear it. Wow. Because... What it happened was it was attaching to my soul yeah. during every lifetime. I'm sorry, but I believe that. I feel like that's part of karma yes. and that you keep getting the chance to get it right. Yes. And, and, you know, eventually, hopefully you do and you move on to the next plane. Yes. Um, but I, I really think there's something to that. Yeah. Um, the, the notion of being dead but not dead yeah. is confusing to people. Yeah. Um, and we, we have a doctor here. His name is Dr. Sam Parnia, a world expert on the science of death and the author of Erasing Death, which sounds like a great idea, <laughs> Doc. Of course. Thank you for being here. So what... Pleasure. How could she be dead but not dead for 90 minutes? Well, you know, it's a very good question, of course. Um, the reality is that we all have a perception of death. And this goes back millennia, which is essentially that death is a moment. There's a time when you're either alive or you're dead. And the reason we think that is because when the heart stops, um, you have no more blood flowing into your brain, into your other organs. The brain shuts down immediately. A person becomes lifeless, motionless, and they are dead. Or even if you go back to the French Revolution, when you, if somebody had lost their head, there's no more blood getting into the brain and, and it shuts. However, what's amazing is that about 50, 60 years ago, we discovered CPR, and we found that actually you can artificially restart the heart or produce a circulation, get blood flowing around the body even after a person has died. And that made our definitions more ambiguous. And what is now even more interesting is that we understand that it's only after a person has died which makes perfect sense, that the cells inside the body start to undergo their own process of death. So when somebody's heart starts, stops, it's only then that the cells will start to die. And that process takes many hours, possibly days. How has your outlook on death and life changed as a result of this experience? I am definitely no longer afraid of death. Um, and that was something that I had feared my entire life. Yeah. And what I learned is that that fear of death really prevents you from truly living. And so if you were to know me prior to my near-death experience and now, it's like I'm two completely different people because I lived uh, pre-near-death, pre I lived my life very, um, all my decisions were like based around fear. Fear of what other people thought, fear of what other people would say. You know, fear of not being good enough or fear of, of being unworthy. Even though I was successful in my earlier years, every decision was still based upon that. Now I flip the script. I'm doing I everything. I love that. I completely believe in that. I think if you're making decisions out of fear in general, you're making them out of the wrong place. I'm so glad you're well. You've got your new heart. Yes. You look amazing. And thank you for, selling, for telling your story to us. Wow. We'll be right back.
Before I play you the second clip, I just wanted to remind you of the original Science of Getting Rich, this new hardbound edition of the Science of Getting Rich that is available on the website, theoriginalscienceofgettingrich.com. It is an exact replica of the original 1910 version of the Science of Getting Rich written by Wallace D. Waddles. Why is that important? Well, it's important because his editor, the year after he died, changed some of the book. And what's in the public domain today that you can go download for free off of the internet is not the original. But Infinite Intelligence Publishing owned an original copy of The Science of Getting Rich, and they decided to replicate it. You can't find 1910 versions in the marketplace. The last one that sold on eBay sold for $8,000. But now you can own your very own copy that looks identical to the original version. Go to the original scienceofgettingrich.com and get this special Subconscious Mind Mastery podcast exclusive of 30% off the retail price. You can only get that here. Do you have any birthdays coming up? Christmas season is not far away. This would make a beautiful gift, but you should get one or two for yourself. I have, and I'm on the road right now, and I have my markup copy, my travel copy with me, and the beautiful new edition is waiting for me when I get back home. Pick up the original scienceofgettingrich.com. Okay, now, we're going to go into this second clip. This lady was injured on a bicycle. And notice the very first part of the interview. She was raised a Catholic, but then decided to step away from her faith. So she was, in essence, an atheist, but she did not die and go to hell. Listen to what happened to her on the other side. We are talking today about near-death experiences. And now we have the story of Nancy Rines. Nancy grew up in a Midwestern Catholic family but distanced herself from the church and for years considered herself an atheist. But in 2014, something happened that made Nancy reevaluate her faith. We will meet her in a minute, but first, some of Nancy's story. It was January 3rd of 2014. I'll never forget that morning. It was a beautiful sunny day. I decided to go out on a bike ride. I needed to do some errands around town. There was a little voice inside of me that just said, to not go out riding that day. I don't know where that came from, but I ignored it. <laughs> I got about a mile, well, not quite a mile from my home, and I could see some traffic coming in on the right. At the very last minute, I realized that first car wasn't going to stop. I knew in a flash that I was gonna die right there. It was a woman driving a, a big SUV and she hit me broadside. I put my hand out like this to try to veer off my bike the other direction. I ended up flipping onto the top of her hood and looked in. I think she was so focused on her phone that she didn't know that she had hit anything or anyone. So I ended up pinned between her vehicle and the road as she drove. As my shoulder hit the pavement and my body hit the pavement, I had an interesting thing happen. I had what, what I call a sense of dual consciousness. Me underneath the vehicle, you know, being dragged under this vehicle. But at the same time, I saw the whole accident unfold from a position of 50 to 75 feet outside of everything. 
I see myself laying under the vehicle in pain, in screaming. I saw a woman struggling to hang on to life. Nancy Rines wrote about her story in her book, Awake Awakenings from the Light, 12 Life Lessons from a Near-Death Experience. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you so much. So that moment you described as dual consciousness, was that, were you, was your heart still beating? Were you still alive in that moment? I was still alive in that moment. That's why it really kind of freaked me out a little bit. I hadn't, I hadn't had any, um, I had never felt anything like that before. It was nothing in my lexicon to describe what this was. But I was still alive, yes. And, that, and it was almost, unfortunately, it was only a preview of what was to come. Right. <laughs> three days later, you had a major surgery. Right. And what happened? So during the surgery, my heart rate uh, stopped for a brief time, and my breathing went to zero. My blood pressure dropped precipitously. And it was in that moment that I found myself waking up. And I thought, wow, this is great, because around me was this beautiful hillside surrounded by flowers and trees and a beautiful mountain range in the distance. And a, and a sense of peace and love and welcoming that I had never felt before. And I knew something was different. And, and like with Sherry, it wasn't, a, it wasn't panic, it wasn't fear. It, no. It wasn't scary. No, not at all. No, I felt a little confused at first, and then I thought to myself, I must have died. I wonder if I died, and, but then if I did, why am I here? Because I don't believe in any of this. Right, I'm an atheist, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> Could it be I was wrong? Exactly. And, and what about that? Because what you, you came back. Right. And what, what information did you take away from that? What lesson? Well, I was welcomed in to heaven, what I call heaven. Immediately, when I had that thought of, I wonder if I died, and if I did, why am I here? There was a welcoming voice that said, because you are my child. This is your home. Welcome home. Was there hesitation about returning back For here? For me, yes. Like you might have just stayed there. I, there was a part of me that really wanted to stay because of the peace and the love the love was incredible, and the connection to everyone and everything was incredible. I was connected not only to my family here on Earth, but also to everyone else in that place. So what made you come back? What made me come back was that I had agreed to do this before I was born. And I was reminded of that while I was there. That you had more business left to finish. Right. <laughs> And I said to, there was a, at some point a womanly guide came and, and kind of helped me out. And I said to her, I don't remember agreeing to do this. And so she showed me on this kind of a screen in the sky of me standing in front of all of my family and friends agreeing to do certain things. And this was one of them. Do you live your life differently now as a result? Completely differently. How? I, I actually take a lot more risks. <laughs> not, not, in a, not in a bad, like, you know, put my body in danger way, but, but I realize that, again, I don't want to let fear run my life. I'm much more loving. Yeah. <laughs> much more loving. Incredibly. Um, 
my my capacity for love has increased multiple times. I mean, just an incredible amount of love for everyone and everything. And I'm at peace. I'm just, I live every day from a state of peace oh. and love and joy. And faith? And faith, definitely. Faith that magic. changed almost immediately. I'll bet. Yeah. Wow. So glad you're well. Me too. And here to tell us a story to, and <laughs> to in, in finish your important business. Thank you. All the best. There's so much to unpack from these, and we'll do that on another episode, but I just wanted to get these into your hands because these are the stories that illustrate exactly what Lives of the Soul talks about. Michael Newton is another resource. If you want to find another guy that talks about the same thing, you can search up Michael Newton. He and Fred have basically the same story of what takes place in transition. So if you've lost a loved one recently, if you put death aside because it's just such a scary topic and you're afraid of it like most people are. This gives you comfort. But while we're living, it gives you purpose. It gives you meaning. It gives you that, like, we scripted this. We created this. We have free choice. I love the second lady who said that her guide, that she had agreed to do this. She was told that she had agreed to do this. That is so perfect. If you want a deep dive on this, pick up the audiobook Lives of the Soul. It's the best four hours you will ever spend. It's quick. doesn't take a long time to listen through it. He goes straight into the story of what happens after we transition. We'll talk about this more in upcoming episodes, but I wanted you to hear these two exciting clips. Enjoy your journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.